Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Autocorrect Podcast with your host, Mr. B. I'm Mr. B, and let's go ahead and get this party started. This is our third podcast that we're recording, and I'm starting to get a little bit of a hang of it. However, uh, there's still a couple of bumps and hiccups here and there. So after I get done with this podcast, I'm taking episode one, two, and three and loading them up. So I'm a little bit nervous about tonight. I'm really hoping that, that people hear these and they are... Uh, positive to them, but however, I do not want any pity. I want y'all, if if y'all are listening to this and don't like it, hit me up and let me know what I need to do to change. Okay, so a couple of topics that we're going to talk about today. We're talking about more Americans. What are they buying? Are they buying more manual transmissions or fully electric vehicles? So we both know that those two things are very small sectors of the car business, but what is more? How many more cars were sold from the other? So manual transmissions now become very rare. It's very hard to find a manual transmission. And of course, full electric vehicles are a very small part. So what do you think? Who sold more? Manual transmissions or electric cars? Which one sold more? Go ahead and put that in your head and think about it while we move on to other subjects. Next subject I'm going to talk about is going to be a problem that Canada is having with moose licking cars. We're going to talk about that as well. And we're also going to talk about our first subject here, which is ASC certification. And that's something I can talk about at length because I'm an ASC technician. But what does that mean to the consumer and what does that mean to the employer? So we're going to delve a little bit into that. If you're a technician, this is probably a discussion that you've had with yourself a couple of times. But you may have seen this even as a consumer because ASC is kind of like the the governing body of the automotive world. There's no real standards that we have to hold. We don't have, at least where I live. Now, other people live, there is some licensing like up in Canada and a couple of other places, some northern states and things like that have apprenticeships and licensing and, and things of that nature. However, we don't have where I live any standard outside of a manufacturer standard or some type of, of aftermarket training or, of course, you know, the associate's degree or something like that that uh, a program like I teach at would, would give you. But none of that is really needed to work in the automotive field. So in other words, as long as you are normally, you know, 18 or some shops is 21, but 18 and up have a valid driver's license and can put together a box of tools, you can normally get a job as an automotive technician, mechanic, whatever. So ASC is a fairly good standard if you're just looking for some type of standard. And they... A lot of people don't know that ASC has a lot of different facets to it. So we have truck technicians, school bus technicians, emergency equipment technicians, and then they have all the education stuff behind it as well, collision technicians, education stuff such as NATEF, or now it's called AS, Augusta, excuse me, not Augusta, Automotive Education, something rather, I can't even remember the acronym right now, but NATEF is a... National Association for Automotive uh, Technical Education Foundation. So, um, and it is kind of a governing body over the high schools and post-secondary colleges that offer automotive classes. So 
like my program's a, a NATEF master program, so we are at the highest level. We have to have a certain amount of tools. We have to have recertification every five years. It's a nightmare. And the instructors are held towards a certain standard. So I have to have X amount of hours a year of training, and I have to hold ASC certifications. I have to hold a master certification plus an L1 certification, which is an upper certification. So that probably doesn't mean a lot to the consumer, but as a technician, that's a, um, especially starting out, that's something to really aim for. So you've probably went to a, a automotive place to get your car worked on or whatnot, and you see the they have this blue seal of excellence is what they call it, and they may have a sign and they may be bragging on it, or your technician may be wearing one. Normally they wear them on the left side of the shirt. That way you can see them while they're driving the, the patch on the left side of the shirt. And it's called the Blue Seal of Excellence. It looks like a little gear, and it'll say ASC in the middle. It stands for Automotive Service Excellency. And that's kind of like our bar exam or our doctorate. And if their patch is gold, they've been in it for a while. But there's, there's different levels to this stuff. But for the most part, I for most of my career, I wasn't really ASC certified because the manufacturer that I worked for didn't value it. So if you these tests cost money, they cost it cost me about every five years, probably close to I would say six, seven, eight hundred dollars, depending on how it's split up, to maintain my certifications. And that's not that's not abnormal. It it it's just kind of expensive. And ASE is a nonprofit organization. I'm not saying that they're money grabbing or anything like that, but However, it's just it's very expensive to keep your certifications. So if you're working for a corporation or a shop or something like that, or even a manufacturer, you're not going to keep your ASEs up if you're not getting any monetary gain from doing that because it's just, I mean, unless it's just, you know, a, a badge of honor that you hold, it's nothing that's going to help you along. Now, however, some fields, I know... The CarMax in my town, which is a, a national chain, they really pay a lot for your ASCs. So, and most of the time when I say that, you know, ASCs cost a lot of money, and they do, but a lot of times the employer will pay for the ASCs. So, or how we used to have it is they would pay for the ASCs you pass. So you go take your ASCs and the ones that you pass would be paid for. The ones you failed would be on you. And I guess that's fair because it keeps people from just going out there and blowing a lot of money on ASC certification and not being serious about it. However, there's not a whole lot to study off of. So really, you know, and when I got my certification, I was on some mechanic pages and I said, hey, you know, I got my master and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, well, anybody can take a test or anybody can pass a test or whatever. Well, with ASCs, it's a little bit different, especially like the L1, which is your upper level certification. It, they give you like a fake car to diagnose, in, but it's in paper form. You know, it's it's you're reading about this car and you're having to diagnose it. So it does take a little wit and skill to pass one of those tests. And I'm ASC certified in I think 10 or 11 different areas, and it takes a lot to keep those up. So if if I had somebody, even if I didn't like. To give an example, the Lexus dealership in my town values ASC certification, and you have to have 
an ASC certification in whatever field that you're working on that car. However, the Acura dealership, which is a direct competition of Lexus, they don't require ASC. And so you've got two very similar car manufacturers that are basically the same niche that don't that have a, a completely different, I guess, idea of ASC certification. So it's no big deal. But you know, I always tell my students, hey, you know, if you are able to take ASCs and it's not like taking food out of your kid's mouth or something like that, go ahead and get it done because it does look good on paper. And even if I don't value ASCs, if I have two technicians that I'm looking to hire and one has ASCs and one doesn't, at least me as an employer, I'm looking at that as that is at least it shows motivation. It shows that the technician has paid money out of their own pocket or at least given up you know, a day of work or whatever to go to this testing center and take these tests. And guys, this isn't online. This is the, the, the testing for ASC is in person. You're sitting at a booth with like three or four cameras at you and you got to go through a metal detector to take this test. It's the same type of test that, that, you know, testing standard that nurses and EMTs and contractors and everything else go through. And like the testing center we got, it's called Prometrics. And I think they do most of the ASE testing, but it's pretty serious stuff and there's no way to cheat. However, there is some ways to prepare. You know, they make uh, motor age and a couple of the places make the prep books that you can read and practice tests and things like that. But, but really there's no, a whole, there's not a whole lot of testing help out there. There is a uh, website, and anybody can go to this website, and it's perfectly free. However, some of the stuff is outdated. It's called freeascstudyguides.com, freeascstudyguides.com, and it will kind of test your skill with these ASCs, and, but I, I think the material is outdated. It's, the, the test bank hasn't changed in like years. I think the, you know, the website's kind of not kept up. However, it does have some good information out there. And if you're a consumer, you just want to see what we go through to work on your car, then that is one of the sites I would go to because it's free. It doesn't cost anything. But as a consumer, ASC, to me, I mean, if, if I had one shop that, that required their technicians to have some type of standard, some type of ASC certification, then, you know, that, that would be the shop I would go to versus another shop that, you know, oh, we don't require ASCs or anything like that. And I don't know of many successful large shops in my area that do not uh, incentivize having your ASC certifications. So uh, take that for what it's worth. There's a lot of argument on that. Um, so, you know, it, it just all depends on, on what you're looking for. However, you know, there are like GM has kind of moved away from ASC certification because they have their own certification program that kind of mocks ASC. So it just is very dependent on who you ask, when you ask and how you ask if ASC is valued. So that's just what I wanted to, to, to say about ASC certification. It's to me, it, it holds value. And to me, an ASC master, yeah, you know, they might be book smart. However, it does take a little hands on to be able to get that type of certification. So let me know what you think. Go to my Facebook page, uh, Car Smarts with Mr. B, and let me know what you think about ASC certification. So next topic we're going to talk about is 
an issue in Canada, and I was just browsing some car news, trying to find some topics for the show, and I ran into this, and the headline got me. It said, Canadian officials warned drivers not to let moose lick their cars. Okay, let me say that one more time, okay? Canadian officials warned drivers not to let moose lick their cars. And this is from CNN, Ala Elasser, who's the journalist there. So basically what is going on in Canada, and I would imagine, you know, if we had moose here, it'd be going on here, is uh, if you've lived up north or someplace where there's ice on the roads, they always salt the roads, okay? So they'll take you know, these dump trucks, these salt trucks with spreaders, and they'll drive it on there, and through the fundamentals of chemistry, it changes the freezing point of the ice, and it melts the ice, and gives the vehicles traction. Now, salt has a lot of problems. Outside of, you know, keeping your car out of the ditch, it does get all over these cars, and that causes a lot of issues, corrosion, rust, you know, perforation of the body, frame damage, things like that. If you don't wash that off, the salt and the road covering stuff that they put down can cause some some corrosion on these cars much quicker than just, you know, a standard water would. And the problem that they're having now is salt. If you've ever lived down south like I have and seen you know, a, a field of cattle, they have these big salt licks out there. And they're big, gigantic pieces of salt about, you know, the size of a, probably a phone booth, and they're put sideways. And the cows go up and they lick the salt. And it's something that they crave, and it's something that helps them, you know, with their vitamins or minerals and all that stuff. So moose are kind of like cattle, right? So they're, 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 but they're like, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a moose in person, but they're a lot bigger than what you think in your head, okay? They're, they will, they're definitely, their belly is like roof height with, with the vehicle. So up in Canada, they are having an issue with uh, a moose will find a parked car and will lick the car because I guess, I mean, I don't know why a moose would just walk up to a car and lick it, but they're finding that the salt on the side of the car that these Moose are licking the salt off the cars, which is kind of crazy. And that is causing a couple of issues. First of all, uh, moose are mean <laughs> a lot of times. They will charge you, especially if there's any young around and stuff like that. And there's a lot of moose attacks in Canada that go unprovoked, and they have a lot of issues with that. So if I go out to my driveway to unlock my car and I'm staring a moose down the, the antlers, that would that would probably, one, would terrify me, but two, you know, the moose may, may charge me or, or something like that or, or damage my car. So another thing is the moose are getting used to the vehicles. In other words, they're, they're seeing the cars as a supply source, and these moose are walking into traffic and causing all kinds of problems, you know, going into parking lots and businesses and things like that and tearing cars up. And when you hit a moose with a car, it's not like hitting a deer. I mean, hitting a deer is dangerous. I mean, and there has been people that have lost their lives for hitting deers and, 
and trying to avoid deer and things like that. But I mean, if you hit a moose, it's like hitting a, a, you know, a thousand pounds of meat and then it hits the windshield and it can cause a lot of issues. So, plus, I mean, you don't want to hurt a moose. I mean, moose are cool. They don't, they don't, they're not like, you know, something that's a pest to me that I would want to go out and kill or whatever, but that's, you know, whatever you want to do. But anyway, I don't want to hurt moose or anything like that. So if I had a car, I guess I would have to wash my car. I don't know what they're actually, they just said, hey, I mean, this article is kind of weird. It just says, hey, don't let moose lick your car. And that's, I mean, that headline there was, was just a, a it, it really caught my eye. So yeah, that was just, just kind of funny. And all right, so yeah, go on, on Facebook. Let me know about the moose licking the car. If you're from Canada, if you're from a, a, a moose heavy area, uh, let me know if you have any experiences with moose. I guess that's the plural of, of a moose would be moose. It wouldn't be like mice, would it? It wouldn't be like meese. No, I would think it would be just moose, right? So let me know if you've had a, a problem with moose and just you know, hit up the, the page, hit up my messenger on the page and let me know. And we'll talk about it. If, if anybody has any, any moose tips for the next podcast, please let me know. And I will talk about keeping your car moose free in the next podcast. <laughs> so it was just a funny article. I thought it was funny. I thought y'all enjoyed that. So, okay. All right. So next topic we're talking about this is an this is a uh, article out of Car and Driver, which is a fantastic publication. So, more Americans buying electric cars than manual transmission cars, and this is the last quarter. It looks like it's the last quarter of 2019, so it's about about a year old. However, it was the first time that electric cars outsold manual transmission cars, and I always see. You know, I've, of course, I've I've got a manual transmission car, and I always see these articles rattle off like these are the last. You know, these are the last cars you can buy a manual transmission with, and I think it's kind of sad because there is is you know a whole generation and a half that don't have any experience with a manual transmission, and I get students that come to my school. And they have no idea how to drive manual transmission. And this is such a problem that the other instructor bought a manual transmission Geo Metro the other day. And it has a bad engine and we're putting another engine in it. But it is a manual transmission car and he's buying it just to teach students and teach some members of his family how to drive a manual transmission. And that is fairly, I don't know, it's kind of scary. I don't know because... And manual transmissions have gone out of favor for a while, and they're starting to go extinct. Matter of fact, there's Facebook pages, I think it's called the Manual Transmission Preservation Society, and they have whole Facebook pages and, you know, merchandise and stickers and all kind of stuff that says, you know, save the manual transmissions. And so, um, reading this article, about 1.9% of car buyers chose electric vehicles, but 1.1% chose manual transmissions in new vehicles. Now, I always think there is going to be market for manual transmissions. In the heavy-duty sector, uh, sports car sector, things like that, you're seeing a lot 
of manual transmission sales. And that's probably where that the majority of that 1.1% is going to be. Current Marketplace does still have a choice. There are 40 manual transmission cars available compared with 16 electric vehicles. So it's a lot easier to put a manual transmission in a vehicle than it is to design a whole electric vehicle. So of course we're going to have more manual transmission options. However, the numbers just aren't there. And so it's, it's kind of crazy because this says even in 2015, electric cars were only commanding 0.3% of the market. So electric cars have really stepped up their gain as far as sales. And you're starting to see a lot of people dabble in the electric car market. You're starting to see, you know, BMW, Chevrolet, a lot of people going to, you have the Volkswagen ID4 that's about to drop. So we're starting to see a lot of new players and we're not starting to see new people getting into manual transmissions. You know, manual transmission has always been kind of the working man's transmission and it's always been the performance transmission. You know, we have this, this thought in our head and that a manual transmission car is a performance car and we can shift faster. We can run those gears out longer and we can do all this stuff for manual transmission, you know, and that's going to give me a, a lead or an edge over my automatic transmission brethren. So that's not really true anymore. We're starting to see these dual clutch gearboxes and, and other gear, like the Corvette. The Corvette now doesn't have a manual transmission option and that's kind of sad. However, if you're out there and you're selling Corvettes and, or, or dealing with a lot of Corvettes like I have in the past, there's not a whole lot of manual transmissions out there in Corvettes anyway. A manual transmission Corvette is fairly rare to find. Manual transmission anything is. I lucked up and got, I've got my manual transmissions, it's a Jetta GLI, but outside of the Europeans and a couple of Japanese cars and things like that, you know, your, your more performance vehicles or your dirt cheap you know, ninety nine, ninety five, whatever. Um, you're not going to find a manual transmission readily available on the lot. There's probably out of these forty cars that have a manual transmission, probably thirty five of them. If you go to buy one, you're not going to have one, and you're going to have to either get it shipped in from another dealership or order. So, manual transmissions have have gone the way of the dodo. However. I still love mine. I'm going to be honest with you. I know, I know that the DSG transmission that comes in the GLIs and the GTIs is a, a quicker, faster transmission. My 0 to 60 time would be better with it. My quarter mile time would be better with it. However, man, I just like my manual transmission. You know, first of all, nobody's going to steal that car, right? So even if, you know, I left my key in the ignition, the chances of it walking off or driving off, I guess you could say, are pretty nil. You know, this is, there's no chance because most people don't know how to drive manual transmissions. And uh, that's kind of a shame, you know, that's one of the things I, I learned on the man, you know, my first my first actual car was a 1961 Volkswagen Beetle, and of course there wasn't an automatic transmission in those, so they're they're it's it's really kind of sad, you know, you're 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 gonna have a whole generation that don't don't row the gears, and that's I guess it's it's a way of the, you know the way of things are going, you know, I can't 
I can't run my phone in my right hand with, with if I have to shift. I'm you know talking to people and I'm eating food and I'm distracted driving and stuff. And manual transmission is just going to make that worse and probably more dangerous. So, and there's times I'm going to be honest with you. There's times when I'm driving my car, I wish it was an automatic. I had to go through Atlanta traffic a couple of months ago, and I wish I had that DSG. However, that my I've got a bulletproof transmission. You know, DSGs have their issues. I've replaced a lot more DSGs versus manual transmissions. I've probably replaced 10 to 15 manual transmissions my entire career. And probably half of those could have been fixed or rebuilt, but... The dealership I worked at, we didn't do any internal transmission work. So automatic transmissions, I've probably replaced 15 to 20 this year. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Manual transmissions save you money. They Automatic transmissions come with a price, either, you know, lack of reliability. And, of course, maintenance. You know, you have to get these transmissions flushed and changed, and they're more apt to leak and so on and so forth. So you're you're going to have more problems with an automatic transmission versus a manual transmission. And, you know, changing the clutch out every once in a while doesn't bother me at all. So manual transmissions going the way of the Dodo. I don't know how to feel about that. I, I, I feel kind of sad. You know, you still have your Econo boxes. They have them and stuff like that. And it's just, it's really hard. I think in the future, of course, when we go to electric or hybrid and stuff like that, they're really hard to make work with a hybrid drivetrain and i think that's going to be the ultimate death of the manual transmission so there are also uh there's one car porsche 911 carrera s which for 2020 offers a manual as a no cost option oh well thank you very much for not charging me more for a manual transmission that cost about a tenth of what an automatic transmission does so, yeah, the marketplace is changing. Times are changing. And me, as an old, crusty tech in the corner of the shop, uh, that's kind of sad. I don't know. Tell me what you think here on Facebook. Send me a message and let me know what you think. So, that does it for our third installment of AutoCorrect with Mr. B. Please, if you can, stop by our Facebook, uh, excuse me, not, well, yeah, our Facebook page too, but our YouTube page, Car Smarts from Mr. B, and check out what I've been doing. I'm uploading, as soon as I get done with this, I'm editing two videos down for testing your coolant, which is, of course, a very, very popular thing going on right now with the temperature changing, but I have all kinds of stuff on there, and I'm going to be expanding that soon, but today is the one-year anniversary of our YouTube channel, so... This is why I'm kind of launching this podcast. I'm, I'm wanting to branch out and kind of see if I can reach some more people. So uh, let me know what you think about the podcast. Send me a message on Facebook. That's how I really am, need to be communicated with on Facebook. But I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. And if you're from Europe, Slavic countries, anything like that, I'm on VK as well. So let me know how I'm doing and let me know what you want to hear. Let's talk. Soon I hope to have some type of interface to where I can get callers and have this kind of like a talk radio format. However, I'm still kind of feeling this out only being the third podcast. So we'll wait and kind of see there. So 
Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on AutoCorrect with Mr. B.